Hi there, I'm Paulina, LWC Studios' managing producer. Lend me your ear for a minute. The Supreme Court's decision to repeal Roe v. Wade devastated me and many of my colleagues in podcasting. It continues to be important that we stand together in supporting a person's right to choose. That's why I'm participating in the Listen to Women Coalition. It's a group of audio creators dedicated to uplifting and creating pro-choice content. We've launched a merch campaign with 100% of proceeds going to the National Network of Abortion Funds. You can find a link to Listen to Women on LWC Studios Twitter at LWC Studios. Buy a t-shirt, wear it to your next hang to go to a live podcast show and on the way to the polls. And tell a friend. Thanks. Seventy million adults in the United States have a criminal record. In Season 3, we'll explore how our rapidly changing reality is impacting those in custody and the policies that keep them there. I'm Mitzi Miller. Four years ago, a Houston lawyer campaigned as a reformer for the Office of District Attorney and won. Good morning. Until midnight, December 31st, 2016, I was Kim Ogg, daughter, mother, lawyer, native Houstonian. At 12.01 on Sunday morning, January the 1st, 2017, I became Kim Ogg, the district attorney of Harris County, Texas. Kim Ogg was lauded as a progressive prosecutor who was going to stop arresting people for marijuana possession, address racial disparities in prosecutions, limit the death penalty, and fix the broken cash bail system. Ruxandra Guidi spoke to her for 70 million two years ago. My priorities in reforming the criminal justice system were to bring common sense and data into play when it came to forming public policy. And I firmly believe that there can't be any social justice reform without criminal justice reform. Og turned that red seat blue for the first time in 36 years. And at first, she had the support of many justice advocates. But some reform she campaigned on never materialized. There are 8,000 human beings in the Harris County Jail tonight, right now, as we talk today, this afternoon. Um, many of them are there just because they can't pay monetary bail. This year, Og is campaigning to keep her job. But she seems to have alienated past supporters enough that two of them ran against her. I'm Carvena Cloud, and I'm running for Harris County District Attorney. Houston is home. I was raised in Acres Homes, went to Kincaid on a scholarship, and graduated from South Texas College of Law. I am a wife, a mom, and an Voting for Audia Jones for me means real change for my community, real criminal justice reform, and a candidate that truly cares about people. Houston is the seat of Harris County. It's the third most populous county in the country and one of the most racially and ethnically diverse. Across the U.S., voters in other large and diverse cities have gone the way of Harris County, 
They've elected top prosecutors they hope will decriminalize marijuana possession, do away with cash bail, and bring in other reforms that would ultimately mean fewer people end up in jail. So, how has that worked? And what are the lessons from Harris County? Journalist Ruxandra Guidi picks up her reporting from season one and updates us from Houston. Adia Jones was a prosecutor back in 2016. In those days, the Harris County District Attorney's Office was known for its tough-on-crime penalties that sent mostly people with low-level convictions, most of them Black and Latino, to jail. So when Kim Og threw her hat into the ring and decided to run against D.A. Devin Anderson, the Republican incumbent, Adia Jones thought change couldn't come fast enough. You know, our current district attorney, I was excited when she, you know, made a lot of the promises that she did. That's Jones, who'd started out in Harris County as an assistant district attorney. I myself voted for her because I was very excited about what she was talking about. Um, And literally, as soon as she uh, took office, she did a 180 from everything that she said she was going to do. Today was a wonderful day. Uh, Adia Jones filed her paperwork to become uh, Harris County DA District Attorney. By 2018, many local progressives like advocacy group Texas Organizing Project and people at the DA's office, like Jones, would sour on Og, saying she wasn't a real reformer. Jones quit and became Og's top challenger in the Democratic primary. And so I was like, well, um, you know, I know what needs to be fixed. I know how it can be fixed. Um, I know how much authority the district attorney has, which is literally they're the most powerful actors in our criminal justice system, especially here in Harris County. So that's, that's why I decided to run. Og beat Jones in the primaries on March 3rd. But then, within days, the COVID-19 virus hit Houston. And we begin with breaking news. The number of coronavirus cases in the Houston area continues to climb. There are now 12 confirmed cases in the Houston area. One case led to another. And before officials could control its spread, the pandemic had unleashed a public health crisis and a wave of unemployment in Harris County. At the district attorney's office, Og drew criticism for endangering her prosecutors by sending them into court. And at the Harris County jail, Around 500 people detained there may have been exposed and were put in quarantine by the end of March. Then, a police killing of a man a thousand miles away in Minneapolis forced a reckoning. Yeah, we're at LaBrant between... uh, Actually, just go live now. You can take a look at what you're seeing here. On May 29th, thousands of people marched in downtown Houston and stood in front of City Hall to protest the killing of Houston native George Floyd. Black women and men rode horses with their right fists up in the air and posed for pictures. The mood was sad and yet exhilarating. Here's local reporter Brandon Walker of TV station KPRC. People have a lot to say. They're frustrated, not only with, because of what happened to George Floyd, but what they say are larger systemic problems, including right here in Harris County. We spoke to many of them. Here's a look at what they had to say. No justice! No peace! 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 No
are doctors, we are scientists, we are lawyers, we are the people that are running this nation, and you are treating us as if we are still the slaves that we were way back in the 18-1900s. Terence Koontz, or TK, was there at the May protests against the police killing of George Floyd. This situation just made it very clear, made it very plain that there were some things going on as far as the criminal justice system. And we have the space and opportunity to do something about it, primarily, in my opinion, because of COVID-19. TK is a statewide training coordinator with Texas Organizing Project, a social justice organization that had supported K-Mog for DA over her promise to reduce mass incarceration until recently. Back in 2011, TK was convicted of a felony for evading arrest with a vehicle. He spent a night in jail and ended up with a criminal record, something that turned his life upside down and prompted him to become an activist. TK doesn't hold Og responsible for all the criminal justice reforms he'd like to see in Harris County, but neither does he praise her for doing a good job. I wouldn't say that there's one primary um, target, and I use target for lack of a better word. You know what I mean? I just think that right now we are in the mindset that it's about building power. It's about pulling people in and educating them and informing them. I have faith in the people. I have faith in the, the reality that we as a collective have the ability to decide who our representatives are and the process that allows us to do that. That's who he trusts, his fellow voters. But when it comes to politicians, he's a little more skeptical. Like Adia Jones, you know, I think she, from what I've seen of her and what I know about her, I think that she would have been a breath of fresh air. But at the same time, I would never put all my trust and faith in a politician. And if, um, and I would never advise anybody to do that. I think that that is the, one of the reasons why we are in the situation that we are in now, because we have given um, these individuals so much power that we treat them like kings and queens, as opposed to servants, which is what they're supposed to be. They have finally gotten things underway. We're a little bit out of uh, kilter, so to speak, because... Uh, About a week after attending the May protest, TK stayed home with his family and watched George Floyd's funeral services on TV. A sea of people could be seen moving towards the Fountain of Praise Church in southwestern Houston. The numbers that I'm seeing right now in the streets give me hope. Like, if these people who are, are, are again, just maintain this energy up into that, that that ballot box and then going past that, I just think he, this is a different world we're living in. I think something special is happening in, in our lifetime. I can't put my finger on it. I, I'm struggling to even use words to describe it, but it's just something that internally I, I sense, I feel, and I believe, and I'm glad to be alive to be a part of this righteous fight. Meanwhile, as George Floyd was being eulogized in Houston, prosecutors from Og's office announced a review of protest-related charges that end up dismissing almost 800 civil disobedience cases. (laughs) 
Since before Kimog became the DA, Black residents in Harris County represented 20% of the population, but they made up more than half of those arrested for drug possession. An estimated 70% of people held in county jails are awaiting trial and haven't yet been convicted of a crime. In 2016, the year Og was elected, the county's Conviction Integrity Unit exonerated 48 wrongful convictions, one of the highest rates anywhere in the country, a trend that started before Og became DA. But most of what the unit did was change the status of cases as their post-conviction drug tests came in. Since she came to Harris County, Og's office has steadily continued to reverse drug convictions. Neither the George Floyd protests nor the pandemic lockdown have kept activists from organizing around urgent criminal justice reforms in Houston. Well, there has been a lot of information that um, has been issued out from several of the council members. Every Friday this spring, family members of incarcerated people, activists, and other concerned local residents have been joining a strategy call to find ways to put pressure on city council members, Houston mayor, the police chief, and the DA. When it comes to policy and law, there's always a ladder step. They're asking for three things. A uniform body camera policy, the transparent tracking of public complaints about police, and a citizen's review board with subpoena power. On the day after George Floyd's funeral in Houston drew 6,000 people to the streets, Harris County Commissioner's Court passed a package of 11 criminal justice reform measures. The cornerstone measure is a study to evaluate the creation of a civilian oversight board that would review the use of force by police. Og was absent from these reforms. She didn't openly support them, but neither did she object to them. Last year, the Harris County Commissioner's Court rejected her request for a 31% budget increase that would have funded an additional 102 prosecutors. Elsewhere around the country, from Suffolk County, Massachusetts, to Cook County, Illinois, DAs like Og have also proven to be not as progressive as activists would like them to be. That's the case with DA Larry Krasner in Philadelphia. One of his major promises was that he was going to end the use of cash bail in Philadelphia um, and basically bring about a, a major overhaul of like the way the office of the DA works. That's Candace McKinley, an activist with Philadelphia Community Bail Fund, a grassroots group that wants to end cash bail in that city. She's critical of Krasner, one of the first district attorneys to run and win over promises of reform. And so Philadelphia, we also have this history of um, corrupt district attorneys, people who are really harsh, you know, drivers of mass incarceration and carceral state who, you know, were really proponents of the death penalty. So we were expecting something fundamentally different. But McKinley says Krasner has perpetuated a system that keeps Philadelphia jails, like Houston jails, with too many people who have yet to face trial. So McKinley and other Philly activists have raised money and bailed out almost 500 people since May 2017. 
their movement, she says, is now experiencing a real momentum by engaging the people who've been most directly impacted by mass incarceration. We're not being dismissed just as like these impractical, like pie in the sky, you know, progressives. I think a lot more people are being like compromised hasn't gotten us anywhere. Many of these activists, like McKinley, particularly those who've been mobilized over their frustration with the slow pace of reforms, are finding a new way forward by starting their own nonprofits. Savannah Elridge is among those demanding that criminal reforms happen at a much faster rate. I just tried to put myself in spaces where I could learn what other people were doing so I could figure out what I could do. Elridge is a traveling nurse by day and a self-taught criminal justice activist by night. Her two brothers and stepson are incarcerated. Her brother, Frank, has a life sentence for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. He's at the James V. Allred unit, an almost six-hour drive from her home in Houston. Now there's this big push for um, folks who are formerly incarcerated to have a space to talk about their experience and use that experience to pass policies and laws and also directly impacted individuals. But, you know, families' experience is different than somebody who's been incarcerated. So I really think, you know, it's a different experience, but it, we still need to have a seat at the table because, I mean, it's, it is a lot. Elridge's experience has centered on trying to navigate the prison system in both small and big ways. She's worked to make sure Frank's jail cell has air conditioning in the summers and has also fought to make sure incarcerated people in Texas who menstruate have access to sanitary pads. She's done much of this activism through groups like Texas Organizing Project, alongside TK. But now, Elridge is trying to figure out how to start her own criminal justice reform nonprofit. She's calling it Be Frank for Justice. Given the conversations that we finally seem to be having over the last few years about, like, everything that's, that's systemically wrong with the criminal justice system and the ways that, that basically black and brown people are set up for, for failure. Mm-hmm. When you look back on all this stuff, what is the feeling? Is it, I should have known, I wish I'd known? Is it anger? For me as a black woman, right, and, and as a mother of a black son, um, I'm, I'm angry because I've been, I mean, I've been in situations where people say, you know, oh, you're playing the race card. You know, I'm angry because up until what seems like two months ago, people didn't understand that these injustices were happening. It was like, I feel like they felt like people of color were crying wolves in a way because they didn't understand. It took to see somebody on video being killed by the police for them to then believe that, oh, maybe this has been happening. Maybe what they were saying really is true. But like, as a mother of an African-American son, like, it scares me, you know, that, you know, he's going to be looked at as a predator. Elridge's son is 15 years old, and she's raising him as a single mom. Just a few years ago, she says... She had no idea what the district attorney did or that this selected office held so much power. 
After finding out, Elrich supported Audia Jones's platform. And Jones wishes she were running too. She's now back to private practice as a personal injury and employment lawyer. She says the recent push for more police reform, coupled with the George Floyd protests in Houston and nationwide, signaled to her that Harris County voters may now be ready for a more progressive candidate for DA, like her. We have people that are voicing their concerns and marching, that are holding protests um, and voter registration events. Um, so that's what really gives me hope. And then I'm still fighting the good fight from, from my position. And, and, and that brings me joy to say, hey, things may, may really change finally. Would you consider running again for office? It's a possibility. It's definitely a possibility. You know, I, I mean, we, it's just such, it's such an important role. Um, so, yeah, I think for sure I would definitely consider running again. Two years ago, I stood at the entrance of an old Art Deco office building in downtown Houston, waiting to meet Harris County District Attorney Kim Og. Lawyers came and went through the lobby, pulling their briefcases on wheels. Police officers in uniform gathered in a corner. After a few minutes, I was taken to meet Og. Dressed in a navy blue power suit, she welcomed me into her office and sat behind her dark mahogany desk. Just a year and a half before, she had ridden to victory as a criminal justice reformer, becoming the first Democratic district attorney in Harris County in almost four decades. My priorities in reforming the criminal justice system were to bring common sense and data into play when it came to forming public policy. And I firmly believe that there can't be any social justice reform without criminal justice reform. This time, Og did not sit down for an interview. Her office spokesperson declined without offering a reason. Og's diversion programs have received the most praise from the Harris County Sheriff's Office. A mental health diversion program and a marijuana diversion initiative Over the last two years, more than 35 million Harris County tax dollars have been redirected from the arrest and prosecution of misdemeanor marijuana offenses, according to the Harris County DA's office. This time around, she's campaigning on this success in ads like this one. And traffickers. And after instituting Texas's most progressive marijuana diversion policy, tens of thousands of misdemeanor marijuana offenders have avoided jail and stayed in the workforce. Actually, in March, her office said just more than 9,000 people had avoided jail. The program let someone caught with less than four ounces of marijuana avoid a criminal charge if they pay $150 to take a four-hour cognitive decision-making class. But here's the catch. People weren't finishing the class and they blamed its $150 price tag. 
As of early 2019, around half of participants failed to complete the program and had warrants issued for their arrest. Jones and Carvena Cloud, both of whom ran against Og as Democrats in the primaries, say that rather than expand the program, marijuana in Texas needs to be decriminalized. Og has also promised to keep death penalty cases to a minimum. In an interview with a local paper, she said, quote, People's attitudes have changed, prosecuting attorneys' attitudes have changed, and mine have changed, end quote. Og's first full year in office, 2017, was the first time in more than three decades no one from Harris County was executed. The following year, she recommended to the county court that four men be removed from death row. But then, in 2019, her office pursued the death penalty in eight cases. In accordance with the laws of the state of Texas, this court hereby says it's your punishment of death. It is therefore the order of this court that you, Dexter Darnell Johnson, be delivered... Her office has also been criticized for repeatedly seeking execution dates for Dexter Johnson, who was convicted of a double murder in 2007 when he was 18 years old. Johnson has shown evidence of intellectual disability and has been diagnosed with schizophrenia. But Og has gotten the most heat from groups like Texas Organizing Project, from her position on a key criminal justice reform that's seen as a first big step towards ending mass incarceration, bail. Og first campaigned in 2016 on the need for comprehensive bail reform. Here she is in 2018, speaking to the Bayou Blue Democrats, a club within the Harris County Democratic Party. Bail reform is not complete. The county continues to spend, and this is Commissioner Sport, millions of dollars defending a bail system that a local judge in our federal judiciary has found unconstitutional, which I can tell you after many years of practice was unconstitutional and uh, was a real burden on the poor. It did not keep you safer. Anybody with money could still get out. Yet, after two years in office, Og filed an objection to a legal settlement that would get rid of cash bail for most low-level offenses. She supported getting rid of bail for low-level, nonviolent misdemeanors. But, she warned, if there was no bail for these people, they could get out of jail and commit additional crimes. Og explained her decision to Houston Public Media last September. She said she was seeing pimps, stalkers, Abusers and drunk drivers get bonded out and reoffend. This endangers the public. So as the chief prosecutor in Harris County, I think it's incumbent on me to make sure that any proposed settlement, especially one that's going to be enforceable for seven years, include provisions that protect the public. That settlement means that an estimated 85% of people with misdemeanor charges in Harris County will be released without having to pay a bond. As the election nears, Og is expected to beat Mary Nan Huffman. Her opponent is a traditional conservative prosecutor, someone who's running on -on tough-on-crime policies and against bail reform. But this time around, Og will no longer have the endorsement of many of Houston's progressive grassroots groups. Candace McKinley of the Philadelphia Community Bail Fund has witnessed a similar situation in her home city, 
where DA Larry Krasner is set to run for re-election next year. I think Krasner won. He beat out the sort of like party establishment and it was like a fight. Um, And it was because like a lot of people were mobilized to go knock on doors and like get different unions on board. So there was a lot of groundwork. And so, and I, I do think like some of those people who are responsible for putting a lot of boots in the ground are disenchanted because, you know, he, is, he hasn't followed through on a, a lot of his promises. But then a lot of people who also will put out boots in the ground for him, he has like responded to some of their issues, like when it comes to getting people's like, you know, wrongful convictions overturned police accountability, you know, so it's, it's been, I think, a mixed bag. So I don't think he'll have the same amount of overwhelming support. This November's election will be a real test for Og in Houston, and it will help define around the country what it really means to be a progressive DA, or how useful that label is to people who want reform. Would it be better if... We didn't have like a progressive prosecutor. If we had like a pure opponent per se, where people could easily understand, see the actual see and understand the policies that they're being implemented and not be sort of swayed by this label of progressive that sort of muddies the waters and, you know, confuses people. McKinley will be keeping an eye to next year when Philly's DA Krasner will seek re-election. For her... TK, Savannah Elridge, and others. Change in a DA's office won't check everything off their list. So they're also focused on the long game, defunding the police, and educating their neighbors about the power the DA's office has in their lives. Our story was reported by Ruxandra Guidi. Special thanks to Emma Forbes for production assistance on this episode. Thank you for listening. For more information, toolkits, and to download the annotated transcript for this episode, visit 70millionpod.com. 70 Million is an open-source podcast because we believe we are all part of the solution. We encourage you to use our episodes and supporting materials in your classrooms, organizations, and anywhere they can make an impact. You may rebroadcast parts of or entire episodes of our three seasons without permission. Just please drop us a line so we can keep track. 70 Million is made possible by a grant from the Safety and Justice Challenge at the MacArthur Foundation. 70 Million is a production of Lantigua Williams & Co. Season 3 was edited by Phyllis Fletcher and Laura Flint. Cedric Wilson is our lead producer and sound designer. Virginia Laura is our managing producer. Leslie Datsitz is our marketing lead. Laura Tillman is our staff writer, and Michelle Baker is our photo editor. Sarah McClure is our lead fact-checker. Ryan Katz also contributed fact-checking. Emma Forbes is our production assistant. Juleka Lantigua-Williams is the creator and executive producer. I'm Mitzi Miller.
This podcast is part of the Democracy Group.